Welcome to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things Scream Free. My name is John Allen Turner. Oh, and I'm Hal Runkle. Hal Edward Runkle, how are you today? I'm doing fantastically now. Fantas- why are you? Why now? What happened? The dessert that I just consumed. Yeah, right in, fr- right in front of you. What was it? It was some sort of. It, it was. I don't know how there's to describe this, it. Yeah, there's this little cafe by our place that yeah. whenever we have uh, staff meetings, and we had a big staff meeting today, we have them cater it, and they have these little desserts. I, yeah, I don't know what you call those. They're not pastries. They're not, they they're, are kind of, <clears throat> but they're shaped weird. They're yeah. rectangular, so yeah. they're not cupcakes. No, right. No, they're but bars. They're bars. Yes, okay. they're bars. And so some are these coconut with chocolate chip. I saw that. Yeah, that. My, my brain kind of played a little trick on me. I, I was looking at that, and I was drinking my coffee, and all of a sudden my coffee tasted like coconut. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That's what happened whenever my kids were young, and I would look at them, and suddenly I would just smell poop. <laughs> <laughs> and they hadn't even done it. <laughs> I just You were so used to it, it just happened. Now, do you like coconut? You're a coconut I'm guy? I'm a big coconut yeah. guy. I, I will say mm-hmm. that somebody who didn't like coconut described it to me in a way yeah. that has, that has I, tarnished it, yeah, it has, a little bit, yeah. because it was a brilliant description. Oh, dear. It was shaved coconut. I'm going to ruin coconut for everybody right Uh-oh. now. But if you really love coconut like I do, you won't. They thought it was a collection of cut fingernails. Ew! That's... <laughs> Isn't yeah, that, that's horrible. That, wow. But it's brilliantly descriptive. <laughs> I love it when people use the language so well. And you know, and so I was thinking about it, looking at my ice cream coated in coconut, and I thought, well, bring on the clippers. Because so I'm gonna eat this. Dang good, right? Yeah. So I just had one of those. But the one I just had, it was like caramelized on top and it had walnuts and chocolate, a dark chocolate, and yeah. I just had it with my cup of coffee and mm, delicious. Yeah. Now you you had some uh, coconut stuff in uh, Italy. Yes, you were, you were in Italy for a couple we of weeks. You still were... haven't recuperated from all that. No, I haven't. I'm still. You're still. You're actually. That was perfectly cute. <laughs> Me having to uh, excuse myself for. <laughs> With a some belch. people, so, some some shows need a, a cough button. We need a belch button. Belch button. Yeah, I ate so much in Italy, and here's the. We got to go to Italy for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Without children, we had an army gig, so we did work for a little bit. Sure, yeah. But my wife went with me, and we celebrated our twentieth anniversary. Mm-hmm. And it was two weeks without kids, and gastronomically, yeah, I have been changed <laughs> <laughs> for the better. For, uh, I don't know. It it creates a standard that is hard to reach. Now you've traveled uh, a lot this summer with just your wife, no kids. That was the. Third trip this summer. Yeah. Now the other two were just like three days apiece. Right, right. But still, you've gotten to spend a lot of time because my kids have gone all over the place. Right, they've traveled a lot this summer, which uh, has been cool. They're now you know old enough, and they're going on mission trips and doing work. camp and, yes, and, and doing, doing all those kinds of things, camp and stuff. And it's been fantastic. It's given us a glimpse of what empty nest is going to look like. Yeah, because we're not that far away. Yeah, that's true. Just a few years. Yeah, just a few years, years before both are in college. Yeah. And so what's what's been the big uh, revelation amongst the two of you? Well, the big thing, I think, is that we're not completely sick of each other. We didn't get... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. We didn't get sick of each other. Yeah. You're giving me weird signals <laughs> over there. <laughs> yeah. So 
I have something no, you know, <laughs> protruding, a no, growth you, that needs addressed by a dermatologist? The, the big thing is, the, the lovely thing, the nice oh, thing oh, is oh. that you've, uh, you've not gotten sick of each other. We haven't but, gotten sick okay, of each other. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because when you spend that much time together, mm-hmm. and you're traveling in a foreign country for a lot of it, and there's some stress that comes along with it. Right, and, you know. and uh, everybody else is speaking a different language. Yeah, and driving a stick shift through Rome, it's just not on your list should, you should no, ever you, do. Yeah, you know, or so you no like a, a European vacation? Hey, yeah, kids, yeah. Eiffel Tower. <laughs> exactly. You're just drive, going by, around and around Because I can't get out of the roundabout yeah. or whatever, and with a stick shift, and it just shouldn't be on your bucket list because... No. You make yourself very close to actually the bucket <laughs> is when you do that, and so you shouldn't do that. It was terrifying. But even in those moments, then there were tense moments. I won't say we were scream-free all the time. Mm, yeah. But also, just you, you're around each other a lot, and, and these, these rooms aren't large. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, European oh, hotels. Man. They're not, yeah, you're not ba- stretching out. And the out. bathrooms are tiny. Yeah, and the walls are very thin. And you're eating every meal together. Yeah. Right. And so you, there's this little picadillos, you know, that obviously we know about each other. We, sure. You've just forgotten because you've had kids distracting you for all these many years. 16 years not knowing her. And, you know, 11 of those I was conscious. Right. Right. And, right. Or whatever. And I have. So you, met, you met her when you were 16. Yes. And yeah. so now it's 25 years with her. So, so we know, know each other. other. Yeah. You pretty know, well. Pretty well at this point. And there's just little things. Yeah. Yeah, little things. Okay. The, the, my wife has informed me that um, when things get quiet, <laughs> and, and it gets quieter when you don't have kids around. It's true, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Much quieter. That while I don't smack, thankfully I don't smack. Okay. I am a bit of a noisy eater. Oh, okay. <laughs> she has explained. So a little, some of the mouth noises. You're not smacking, but you're... I, I'm chewing. Yeah. And somehow it's but so it's, loud on the inside of my mouth. that the cavernous can, head of yours. People can hear it. It's reverberating. Out. And I'm like, how do I, how do I quiet that? I'm, I'm, like, I'm close my mouth already. You need like a, a, a wave machine in the room when you're eating yes. or something just something to create to some white noise or put noise. some music on in the background or something like that. I mean, that. it's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I just wonder. I teach a lot on the concept of triangulation. Yeah, and that's whenever a one-to-one relationship mm-hmm. becomes too intense, which most of them are. We don't talk op- as openly as we could, right? And so we usually bring in some sort of a distraction. Uh, okay, like a kid, like like or, folks. Yeah. yeah. So fo- so the stereotype is the mom and dad who finally get a date night, and the whole time they talk about their kids. Exactly. Right. Because yeah, they yeah, can't yeah, talk yeah. about anything else. They can't. They don't talk know about how to not be mom and dad. Much less articulate that. You know what? I'm scared about the fact that we're going to spend 40 years post kids, and I don't even know you anymore. Much less like you. Uh, especially the fact that you make mouth noises. Exactly. Yeah. When it gets quiet, and so we need to really. Make sure our kids move back in. <laughs> Is that what you think? That's what prompts it. Now in Italy, that's a big deal, right? Oh a lot gosh. of eighty uh, percent. This was startling, but eighty percent of boys, eight out of ten, twenty boys, to thirty years old, live back at live home with their mothers. With their mothers, eighty eight zero percent. That's. Huh. They're called like bambochinos or something like that. That it, it's, can't it's, be. It's, it's not an endearing no, term. No. But they're called that by the rest of Europe. So, so everyone else in Europe is making fun of Making them. fun of the boys in Italy that don't grow Who up. Who stay at home with mom. Right. Wow. You know, there's a um, uh, that happens a lot in uh, the Latino culture as well. It does. You know, and the two cultures are very similar in that uh, 
they celebrate kind of, you know, machismo. machismo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah, know, the, and men with the big mustaches yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Hairy men, but really, yeah. the women run everything. Oh, absolutely. It's a very matriarchal society. I, I got to have a fantastic conversation with a very high-ranking Mexican official, actually, and his wife. Yeah. We have a dinner with them. And it just occurred to me that that's... That's just a weird sentence that I got to have dinner with a high-ranking Mexican official. Yeah, my life that's, is really weird. Yeah, sometimes. and the, <laughs> it, it just occurred to me. But he is looking at me and saying, "Well, you know, every Mexican man always has the last two words." And what are the last two words? Yes, dear. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, and the thing is, he was saying that nobody will admit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That because that's their culture is no, sure. it's all about man and masculinity and all this kind of stuff. But in reality, the mom runs yes. everything. And so now you've got these eighty percent of these twenty to thirty year olds living with mom. And this is this is something I'm I'm fascinated by and interested in. Because... It's not like they're roommates. It's not like it's no. because it's inexpensive or something like that. Mom does everything, right? Mom oh, makes absolutely. dinner, mom Absolutely. Wow. Wow, I mean, I think we talked last podcast. Did I, did we talk about a, a yeah guy about who, the the kid who makes the same his yes, mom makes him the same, same sandwich, sandwich every single time every day? You know, and obviously this is on my mind because it's the book I'm writing now about launching our kids. But it's it was fascinating to see that and hear that, and and in our training there was an Italian mother in there and then saying how different she was by uh, making her kids get a job. You and know, how all you, the other moms around her... Oh, what do you... And, her, and the big thing was the generation above them. Yeah. And how dare you make her work. Now, they don't have that same standard... Uh, a lot of them don't have the same standard for women, though. Huh. Women get out. It's just the, the boys. Again, we, but, we hey, tend to pedestalize the, the boys. We do. We do. We do. And, but it's the same in America, this, the double standard. Yeah. 59% of boys, 18 to 24, in the U.S., live with their parents. Really? 50% of girls. Huh. Now both so, those are up. yeah, those are too high those on are, both sides. But they have almost they have doubled in the last thirty years. Now the thing that I I was reading something not too long ago that it, it kind of there's a correlation here. Um, kids are waiting longer and longer to get their driver's license. Yeah, it's it's one of the fascinating fascinating trends happening. And, and, and I think you know you know I may have mentioned this before, but we couldn't wait. Uh, yeah, exactly. I could not wait. Day of yeah. The even I remember getting my permit like oh the the first day I was able to get my permit I went down and got it and I, I I'm at my chiropractor's office last week mm-hmm. and I'm talking about this new book he's asked me about and I'm not talking about it and I said about the driver's license he said I know because he's got a daughter the same age as my daughter sixteen and a half oh yeah Lee right, yeah, 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 yeah yeah and said well my daughter got her permit the day she turned fifteen oh great and he said she hadn't been in a car since. Wow. Has not Got her permit, has not... In a year and a half. Wow. Now, here's what I thought was, why is that up to her? Because the day my daughter gets her permit, hmm. let's go driving. Okay. I don't want to. One's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this isn't... Is, you don't want to go to school sometimes, and I make you go to school. But you're going to school, right? You're going to learn how to drive because I love you. See, you know? it's weird because um, sometimes, and, and I think this is the way it was framed up for us, at least was that uh, uh, driving, getting your driver's license, is not a right. It's a privilege. Yeah. And so you kind of have to earn it. Right. Because we wanted it so badly that our, our parents used it as leverage. Sure. And, and to incentivize us towards, 
you know, if you get good grades, right. if you keep your room clean, if you don't, yeah. if you're not late for curfew, whatever, then I'll let you get your driver's license because you want to so badly. And now teenagers are like, eh, that's okay. I don't, I don't really want it. It's and, and it's. But now you're advocating, like, so, so this is the it's the neither, arc. Yeah, I don't. I mean, think, think it's about a right. this as an as an arc. I don't think it's a right. I don't think it's a privilege. It's a responsibility. Yeah. See, so so that's the in arc that it's that it's gone through in the 25 years yeah. since we got our driver's license was, um, you know, it, it's gone from something I can't wait to get, and my parents were were kind of holding me back and using it right. as leverage. Right. To then it went through this phase, or it is going through this phase currently, where man, it's not that big a deal. I don't really care if I get it or not. And now you're advocating parents say, no, we're going to get it as soon as you turn 16. Absolutely. But my grades aren't good. <laughs> but my room is a mess. You know, and you're like, I don't care. I don't care. Get in a you're, car. You're, you're getting your driver's drive. license. And, and the I want you to go to the store and get milk. Absolutely. I'm tired of going to Kroger which, every which year. Our, every which day. our daughter did the other night. Yeah? Uh, Jenny, Jenny was telling me this. That I was out of town the last three days. I just got back yesterday. But she was saying that uh, she had a friend over. Mm-hmm. And she volunteered to go shopping for dinner. Your daughter yeah. volunteered. And so they went, and they got all the stuff for spaghetti. She paid for it with her own debit card, which what? we've trained oh, her yeah, to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. She, she finally finished watching all the videos. All the videos, and she got and the, prep, debit, she got the nice. debit card. So she paid for it with her own debit card and brought it back, and then they cooked. And here's the fascinating thing. They, mm. they cooked the whole meal. Yeah. Spaghetti and meatballs and, you know, or meat sauce or whatever. Yeah. Which I now know is called a ragu sauce. Yeah. Well, not, uh, meat sauce is called a bolognese. And I said it was called a ragu. Oh, well, a ragu is when you chop up the vegetables and you... S- but uh, th- th- this is neither here nor there. I worked in an Italian restaurant when I was in college, so... Uh, I'm okay. Just, I'm right. just letting you know what the Italian people told me, man. Okay. So They were speaking Italian, so yes. something got lost in translation. in translation. So here's the cool thing. At the end of the meal, her friend goes up to my wife and says, thanks so much for letting me stay. Because had I been home, I would have had to cook. And Jenny was like... But, but you, you just cooked hooked. here. Yeah. Hmm. But them cooking together. It's different. It was different. Yeah. It was a, it was a, a privilege. Yeah. Which was interesting. It was and something it, she didn't have to do. She got to do. With her friend, and they were playing mute one direction in the background the whole time. Oh and, goodness. you know, trying, singing the best song ever. And, and they, your, your, your daughter is into one direction? She is hugely into no one idea. direction. I had no idea. Oh, my wow. gosh. She okay. wants to marry Niles. And, really? Yeah, and I think it's adorable, you know. Okay. Yeah, she really is in one direction. Now she's also into country music and of monsters and men and okay. like, and likes the Beatles. But it was it's cool that she. So this brings up something interesting. Uh, last Friday, mm-hmm. um, Sir Mick Jagger turned mm. seventy years old. Yes, seventy. Yes, he's and and he's not the only one, right? So uh, uh, Paul McCartney turned seventy what, last year, or two last, years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Um, Bob Dylan's uh, 73 now. Or yeah, like Paul Simon is in his 70s. Yeah, he's uh, uh, Roger Daltrey is uh, 70. Apparently did not die before, before he, he got, got old. old. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, so uh, uh, my daughter, Annabelle, and I were watching um, Later with Jules Holland. Oh, the British uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. talk show. With Who has been a recurring character in Dreams of Mine since I was in high school. Jules Holland. Yes. Well, he's, he's very... He's very charming. What was that? Oh dear! What the That's, heck's going sorry, on? Sorry, my I, my email is going off. I'm going to turn my email off. How about you do that? Yeah. So, well, go ahead. 
So Jules Holland has shown up in my <laughs> dreams since I was about 16 years old. And it's always the same. He and I always have the same conversation. You have a conversation with a British talk show host. He's a piano player. He was a musician really? for a long time. He played with Squeeze. He played with a lot of, he played, yeah. You know the piano solo in Fine Young Cannibal's Good Thing? That's Jules Holland. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know dun, the yeah. big piano solo. So Jules Holland shows we up in my really, dreams. We are really, really white, by the way. And, um, Just letting you know that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, he always says, uh, hello, John. And I say, uh, hi, Jules. How are you? And he always says the same thing. Smashing. Absolutely smashing. And then he goes away and does whatever, and I get on with my dream. But Jules Holland was on the other night, and Iggy Pop was on. Yes. And Annabelle was watching because um, on that same show, I can't remember who else was on, one of her bands that she was Was his to. shirt off? Of course it was. Of course it Have was. Have you ever seen him with his shirt on? He and Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Shirts off. Mendentor. fellows. Yes. But um, uh, he comes on, and my daughter goes, Ugh! You know, because he's not, he, he's looked. Oh, he's looked 70. Since 1970. Yes. You know, so. Um, heroin, so that, heroin tends to do things to a person. <laughs> uh, so I, I said Actually, to. Actually, he's been clean for a long time. Uh, so I, I said to that. my daughter, you know, some of these bands that you listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, one day, 40 years from now. Will be 60. Yeah. Can you imagine what they will look like 40 right. years from now? Right. Will they be playing the songs you know, from when they were 20 right. and 25. And it, it like it, it created this weird um, uh, mix of emotions in her mm. to imagine these boy bands. Well, she doesn't really care for yeah. boy bands as, as much, but imagine some of these pop stars, these rock stars, these sure. guys, especially with the tats and all that yeah, kind of sure. stuff. Because they'll even look even worse, I can imagine, with all the oh, tats, yeah. sleeves, and the big gauge earrings and stuff like yeah. that. What's that going to look like when you're 70? So to explain to her that, you know, kind of everybody gets old and you got to start considering that kind of stuff, especially if you're going to make permanent markings on your body. Well, where I like to think about it is the reason why we find it kind of weird that Mick Jagger is now 70. Yeah. Right. Is because starting really in the 60s, late 50s, 60s, we begin to worship youth. You think that started in the sixties? No. You know, in you know, in a in a prominently new way. Now, I was just in Italy where I saw incredible statues right, of right. wonderful young nubile bodies. They're not, you know, they're not. But some of that's because everybody died when they were thirty. That was part of it, yes. But they also worshipped the youthful yeah. body, right? And that's why all the Cupid angels are babies, and mm-hmm. you know the why, you know. So we we have done that. I, don't, I I just don't know if we were able to do it technologically or whatever on such a wide scale as we did it in so many different cultures as we've done it. Because now, you know, even cultures that have traditionally so revered elderly are all about youth, like Asian cultures. Some Asian cultures, right, are all about worshiping the youth. But as we're living longer mm-hmm. and as we have, you know, better understanding of nutrition and fitness sure. and how to get in shape and all this kind of stuff, you, you see... You know, a lot of people saying, well, you know, 40 is the new 30, sure. 50 is the new 40. And the problem with that is then we decry the fact that kids aren't launching into adulthood. Because 20 has become the new 10. Right, and 30 is the new 20. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I think I've mentioned this to you in my studies for writing this book on launching, is there's a, 
I mean, I, all the stats we can talk about, the, the ratio of kids 18 to 29 living with their parents right. in the last 30 years, since 1980, that ratio has doubled. And no one would doubt that because everyone knows all these kids who are yeah. moving back in, right? But it's, it's interesting, again, because their parents are parading around as if they were 10 years younger than they are. Well, we're all trying to do that. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's lots of factors that go into it. But it seems like you can't have one without the other. Yeah. Uh, But that's the thing is, is this a generational shift that we just need to adjust for? Mm -hmm. Or is this a very bad pattern that needs to be changed? I mean, we and all... the, the grumpy old man yes. that I am, that's what I think. Yeah, I, it's a pattern you know, that needs to be... Yeah. There's a, there's a univer- there's... I think if you're 40, dress your age. There's a Clark University professor who is saying that we need to recognize that there has actually been created in the last 30 years a new life phase. Okay. Called... So it used to be we went... Well, the okay, so there there was infancy, mm-hmm. toddler, school age, school age, teenager, young adult, young adult. He's now saying there's something in between teenager and young adult, and he calls it the emerging adult. So not, but but there's also been one created by Disney mm-hmm. called the tween tweens, right, right, right. So so now we've we've you know sort of pushed. We've wedged tweens in there, and now we're having to wedge something even more. Well, and and emerging, it's, and it's a bigger wedge. It's a bigger wedge. What's he calling it? Emerging adult, and he's created adult. the study, the Society for the Emerging Adult Study of the Emerging Adult. So not or young adult, like that. but emerging adult. Well, it's it's before young adult. And, and when does it start? Eighteen, okay. or I mean, sorry, twenty. It ends at nineteen twenty. Okay, because that's when you're literally not eighteen anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So twenty, and it goes how long? Twenty nine. Are you kidding me? So a young adult is now 30. 30 is young adult. Right. Which wow. 30 years ago was... Close. I'm not feeling so bad about being 43 now. See, that's the deal. We because can't... I'm really 33. Right? Because 40 well, was exactly. the new 30, so 43 40, so is the new 33. You know, 50 is the new... I mean, 40, yeah. right? And so why can't 30 be the new 20? Because it can't. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> because that's dumb. Well, you're being the grumpy old man, and I get that. <laughs> so do I. Obviously, get I'm, off I, my lawn. I'm, I'm writing a whole book about how this is wrong, but we got to examine it. Okay, all right. Because so or many my people, critical thinker. Yes, yeah, so many people are saying, "Well, it's a reflection of the economy. It's a reflection of the times, right?" Really? And we're going to blame we, the economy, and we need to adjust. We're going to blame it. my unwillingness to grow up on the economy. Well. Because when was Peter Pan Syndrome written? I mean, that book was written in the tough job 1980s. So I don't want to get a job. So I'm just going to stay home. Okay, really? Are you wearing high black socks right now? (laughs) Sandals. I mean, good Lord, dude. Putting around in your garden, man. Jeez. Okay, all right. So trying to have an intellectual conversation, Grandpa. Okay. All right. Here's the thing. So we but, but but so the economy and what what were the other factors? Well, just all the other factors you we've listed so far, the longevity of life or whatever, but also the all the new and here's one of the big ones, all the new data about the developing brain. Right. So the fact that your prefrontal cortex Doesn't isn't finished developing until you're yeah, yeah, about 25 in in men. We don't I don't know if that yeah. study has been done 
cross gender. I thought it had, but we can look at it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah I'll be interested to see right it. now. But yeah, 25 is a general age at which the teenage brain finally gets now, fully developed. For for a lot of people out there, the prefrontal cortex serves as sort of a call center for your brain. It's the human part. Yeah, yeah, it's able the, to be it, it helps you prioritize uh, emotions. It helps you process through impulses. It helps you, you understand nuance, the slight differences between different things instead of black and white. And again, it helps you prioritize impulses. That's help, the big thing. It, it helps you move beyond being a Republican or a Democrat. That's what it helps. Oh, you do. wow. <laughs> it helps you. And you said that's not done until we're 55. Is that yeah, what you yeah, said? I don't think it's done. It gets worse, actually, it seems. <laughs> so, so that's why a lot of people can be physically mature, but they have impulse control issues or they, they have so many different emotions coming at once that they yeah. don't know how to make wise decisions in that situation because the because the front part of their brain is not done cooking yet. Yes. And so the teenagers, so this is medical proof that teenagers actually are brain damaged. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes. The Cosby was right. Here's the <laughs> here's the so you say that you so you observe a generational trend like the fact that kids are moving back in and they're not able to find jobs and they're not a, not nearly as mobile as they used to be. They're not getting driver's license, right? So mm-hmm. you observe that generational trend and think, well maybe we're not observing something that can be changed. Maybe we need need to accommodate to it. Okay, but the you have the, developed. the vast majority of human history working against that argument, though. True. That says, and so you, you really do get into kind of a nature-nurture argument, because is that, does the coddling of a, 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 an emerging adult um, delay the development of the prefrontal cortex? Does the presentation of many more options and responsibilities hasten True. the development of the prefrontal cortex? Well, that's the thing. If we are saying it doesn't happen until 25, then we could take that conclusion and say, well, we need to remove any responsibilities from that person until the, they, they turn they 25. Because they can't make great decisions until right. then. They should be right. um, you know what, legally and, insane. And here's, and here's what I would say, or just... That, that that can't be fully held responsible for their actions. Right, exactly. That's uh, that's the argument behind legal insanity, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, oh, not or, guilty by reason of insanity. Or you're too young and to I'm tri- not culpable. You're too young to be tried as an adult. So right. what we need to do is move the adult age for that to 25. So we shouldn't drink until we're 25. We shouldn't drive until we're 25. We shouldn't get married until we're 25. We shouldn't have any responsibilities. Until well, it's we're interesting. Some folks have already. Some industries have already gone there. Uh, rental car agencies have done that for years. Hotels too. Really? More I didn't know about hotels, yeah. yeah. But rental cars are the number one because yeah. of the, the huge insurance sure. liability at 25. Yeah. Right? So, but my thinking is... But the military lets them in at 18. And the majority of them are under 25. Yeah, exactly. Right. And they have huge responsibilities there. And so many of the heroes that we celebrate right. bear up well under that. Very much so. I believe that if we accommodated everything to the data that says they don't get to brains don't get developed till they're twenty five, that thirty years after that we would see that new their brains data. don't get developed until they're thirty. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you've got this, you know, this correlation equal causation yes. argument where we say, okay, if I present more responsibilities to my my kids at a younger age. Right then does that hasten their brain development? Because it's not like everybody at 25, flip a switch, your brain's done cooking. There's a a spectrum. There's a spectrum there. And some people mature earlier than others. Why does that happen? Right. 
Those are the questions that I have about the research. Well, and, uh, and also, is there anything we can do, not to hasten it, but to keep the process growing? Is there anything we can do to, instead of talking about on or off switches, we can talk about progress yeah. towards maturity, right? Now, it is one of the ironies of life that so many of the most important decisions you make in your life... You make before your brain is done. Yes. Right? Yeah. According to the research. Yeah, exactly. But here's... People have pushed back on scream-free parenting for a while on this premise that so many of like the consequences and teaching your children to make choices, right, and letting them taste the consequences of their choices, letting mm-hmm. them have ownership of their room, different things like that, that that's not going to work they, until they got, have better reasoning capabilities. Right. Right? But they'll never develop better reasoning capabilities. Here's why I, you know. yeah, here's how I ask, how I respond whenever I get that question is, did you wait until your children could speak before you started speaking to them? That's a very, very good uh, way of framing that up. Yeah. Because or, because you know they won't learn how to communicate until you have communicated with them. And you're speaking to them long before they ever can. You speak to them when they're still inside, right? Exactly. A lot of people with the headphones and they play music and right. they talk to the mom and all that kind yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah. That's how they learn to speak. So how do they learn to make decisions? By making decisions. Yeah. And how do they learn the consequences of making bad decisions? By making bad decisions. And how do they learn to take more and more responsibility for their life? By having to. Yeah. Right? So you don't have a choice as to whether or not you get in the car. You get your driver's license when you turn 16. Because here's the deal. There's going to be a point. Whether you're 16 or 17 or 18, okay. But there's going to be a point when you get your driver's license. And what I told myself was, I want to be... I asked myself this question. How do I want to feel when I watch her pulling out of the driveway... For the mm. first time, without anybody else in the car. When she's driving on her own legally, how do I want to feel in that moment? Besides inebriated? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, want <to> feel, <laughs> I want to feel confident. Yeah. And, I, so, and what, was that the case? Because you, you've seen her drive away. Yes, I've actually seen. I was following her in a car <laughs> with her brother, and she was driving yeah, that's her right. brother. I was over at your house that night. Oh, yeah. my word. And so we're almost getting two wrecks on the way. Holy cow. Right? But the... Overall, I still feel confident. She still drives every day now by mm-hmm. herself to a different friend's house, right? And she's been absolutely fine. But how did I get her to that place? How did I get myself to that place? Get in the car. Let's, Let's go. Drive. Yeah. Let's drive. I don't want to drive today. You're driving. You're driving today. Right? Yeah. And say, hey, it's <laughs> do you, time. Do you have any idea how many times over the last 15 and a half years I've not wanted to drive exactly. you somewhere? Exactly. So you're going to drive me somewhere. And it's, and it's, hey, you know what? You got to drive on the freeway. I'm not ready. I know. That's why we're going to do it this morning on a Sunday when there's no there's traffic nobody out on the there, way to church. And we're going to drive in the right-hand lane, and we're going to, yeah. Yes, and we're going to just keep it, the, yes, let's do it, let's do it. And it's this idea that I am not going to be the one who is afraid of your future. Mm. I hope, hope to be a champion for that future. Because kids grow up, and they have a way of um, absorbing the anxiety of their environment. Absolutely. And so if you create this anxious presence, and by anxious, I don't mean eager. Right. I mean uh, nervous. Riddled. Yeah, yeah. Afraid. And, and if that's what you're projecting, kids have a way of just absorbing that. Absolutely. And so anxious kids, 
And I see them all the time. They hang out with my children or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I see these anxious kids and I think, man, I wonder what that parent is like. Right. And of course, I know most of the time yeah. there's a direct correlation there. But what we do in our modern psychology-filled way is we diagnose the kid. Like, and not the system. Right. Separation anxiety. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, separation anxiety begins with the leaders around. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it begins. Does that mean your kid doesn't suddenly throw a fit at all when you drop them off at preschool? Of course no. they do. Of course they, they do. They have object permanence issues and things like that that sure. are going on in their brain. Sure. They don't know. If I can't see it, does it still exist? I, I, I understand all of that. But how but, comfortable are you that morning? Yeah. Right? How how was your routine that morning? How on time are you? Yeah, were, right. Were you rushed and hurried and harried and anxious and all of that on your way out the door? And how can you normalize this experience? Are you still riddled with guilt about whether or not you need to stay home or go to work or drop him off or whatever? And is not ready and all that stuff. That stuff will get absorbed, like you said, by the kid. And what it creates is one of two possibilities. One kid who exacerbates it by freaking out, Mm -hmm. the other kid who tries to overcome it by by becoming parentified and more mature than the mom. Right, because that child begins to understand that it's in their job description to keep mom calm because mom can't do that on her own. I had from freaking out. Yeah. Right. And so And so these are the kids who when mom and dad decide to split up become it's my fault. The con yeah. It's my fault. There's a lot of things happening, and 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 uh, the divorce generation is another reason why kids aren't leaving home mm-hmm. because they've been parentified. Sure, right? Because uh, well, especially we talked about this before with uh, young boys, yeah, living with single mom, and it's time for me to leave the nest, but I feel guilty leaving my mom behind because there's no one to take care of her, right? And so if if she had a boyfriend, if she had a uh, somebody else in her life, then I would feel more comfortable leaving, but sure. because she doesn't. I guess I'll just stay here because someone's got to take care of mom because she can't take care of herself. And look at our technological innovations that have actually helped that. One of the reasons why, and I saw a study about this, but a reason why kids aren't getting their driver's license is because through social media, they can go and connect with their friends. They can hang out with their friends without leaving their room. Exactly. So they don't feel that, and they're already they're already staying in a room that's bigger than a dorm room would be. Yeah. So going off to college... It feels backwards. Yeah. feels like I, I, I took a step back here because my room is small. I have to share it with somebody I've never met before. Right. Yeah. Instead of... And getting, I don't get my, my meals... Co- I don't get my getting, breakfast sandwich exactly every morning the way, the way I always have. Man, we really sound... We've turned into the cranky old man here. curmudgeon-y. <laughs> this is the curmudgeon hour. The curmudgeon hour with John and Hal. Uh, so, but I do think... For all of that, um, it's easy for us to just look at the world and say, okay, so it's going to hell in a handbasket. Yep. But that's not the case. No. Because there, there's a ton more innovation that's going on as well. And technology does open us up to a whole host of opportunities that we didn't have before. True. The, the problem is it's happening so quickly that we don't know how to adjust for it. Yeah. Right? We don't know how to bring our tools to our service. Instead of be acting in service to our tools, we well, don't know how to the, let the cell phone be here for me instead of me being here for my cell phone. Exactly. And my wife quote one of her favorite quotes is from Henry David Thoreau, and this was 150 years ago, saying men have become the tools of their tools. Mm, yeah. And did that's, you just call me a tool. I did, dude. <laughs> 
see how you snapped when that email thing went off? <laughs> An email. Somebody loves me. They want me. It's in- But we all do I know. it. We all were tethered, right? But anytime I think that we lay out for sure kind of the crisis of the situation, mm-hmm. then that creates opportunity. It creates opportunity for you to raise kids who aren't kids. Mm. It creates the opportunity for you to parent differently. Uh, one of the things I love, there's a lot of things I, I, I wrestle with about Dave Ramsey, but there's a lot of stuff I love about him. But one of the things he says that I think is brilliant is, look, live like no one else now. So, so that you, you can, can live, live like, like no, no one, one else. else. Right. Yeah. Parent like no one else now so that you can enjoy adult to adult relationships with your kids like no one else does. Yeah, And that's, a, you know, like you feel towards uh, Dave Ramsey. I, I get that a little bit with Dr. Phil. Yeah. But the most brilliant question in the world is, how's that working for you? Right. You know, when we look around and we survey the landscape of parenting out there, and we understand that most parenting falls into one of two camps, and they're both equally reactive. Hmm. You know, when it comes to social media, it's either I'm never letting my kids, or it's, hey, when they turned eight, I got them a Facebook account, you know? And and most of that is, is, uh, it's not working. You know, and so we we say, well, I don't want to do that because you know their parents are going to look at me like I'm the weird one, or mm-hmm. then my my kids are always coming to me and saying, how come we have to when all my friends that, well, look at them, right? The vast majority of it, it, it's not really working that well, and so this is an opportunity for us to create this movement that says we're not going to raise kids, right? We're going to raise adults. I'm not in the business of raising kids. And I and I hate that my book, my first book, the subtitle says "Raising Your Kids." I hate that. I yeah. didn't realize this really until after that came out, and just recognize. I think uh, I may have told this story again. Forgive me. I retell stories a That's lot. All right. But I was doing a military gig uh, several years ago out. I believe it was Fort Riley, Kansas. I'll be there next week. Oh, that's right. You're going there next. I think it was there, but on the, on the drive out of Kansas City to that post, mm-hmm. there is a huge Christmas tree farm. Yeah. You yeah. and I were there. Was were we? we there? No, we went to Leavenworth, but yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, I know. And you're driving by, and there's all these little <laughs> tiny saplings, but it doesn't say sapling farm. No. It doesn't say Christmas sapling farm. It says trees. It's tree farm. Because that's what they're growing. And so I just realized, am I raising saplings or am I raising trees? I'm not raising kids. Because yeah. if I raise kids, that's what I'll get. And that's what the world will get. And the real problem, and here's absolutely why I'm going to be insistent that this is not a societal shift that we need to accommodate to. That this is a, a cultural crisis. This is a, exactly, a cultural crisis. As much as childhood obesity is a cultural crisis. We're not going to accommodate to that. No. Right? No. I hope not. Oh, uh, yeah, no. Yeah? We're going to try to speak against it because... What we're not doing enough is producing producers. We're producing consumers. consumers. Right? Okay, you're 23, your brain's not fully developed, but are you producing? Because are you producing something? Are you thinking about being creative? Are you wanting to contribute? Right? The biggest problem is not whether or not you live with your parents, because I understand that for economic realities, whatever. And thousands of generations, people have been living multiple levels. It's not whether you live with your parents, it's whether you live off your parents. Mm. Because living off your parents ultimately undermines your self-respect because you recognize, you know what, there's something in me that's wanting to produce because that's what really gives me self-esteem. But if I'm just producing consumers, then I'm looking for the next thing I can consume that will give me that self-esteem, not realizing that every bite I swallow is a poison that erodes it from within. 
And what's what's uh, even makes this worse is yeah. you and I both spent time doing youth ministry, working with teenagers and yes. high school students yeah. in, in churches in particular. And uh, we were in the generation that first began to push back against this idea that the youth is the church of tomorrow, mm-hmm. the church of the future. Right. And it, but so many teenagers absorb that message. Right. You're the producers of tomorrow. Right. You're the innovators of tomorrow. But you think about like the music industry was brought to its knees a few years ago by a 19-year-old kid who right. created Napster. Right. Right. Uh, some of the best, most innovative technologies were created by people whose brains weren't, weren't done developed. Twenty year old Mark Zuckerberg, twenty year old Bill Gates. S- sitting in the Harvard. garage, leaving Harvard and his right. prefrontal cortex. Not Who knows if it was done or not? Developed. But yeah. that's that that's the potential that they have. My, uh, Are they getting the idea from parents and educators and ministers and whoever else who who the the primary voices in their lives? Are they getting the idea that no 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 you wait until you're twenty five twenty six twenty seven and then you can do those things or are they getting the message that you can do that right now? Right. You can write beautiful songs and paint beautiful pictures and create new technologies and change the world right now. And. You can also get a job right now. <laughs> right? You don't have to stay here, you know. Yeah, it's, and, and, and telling them, look, it's your responsibility, if you want money, to earn it. Yeah. Because with all that, you, you can. it's so easy to hear the Zuckerbergs and, and whatever, uh, to hear that, well, they were geniuses and like that somehow. And maybe they were. I don't, you know, that, that's okay, but... It doesn't, it doesn't mean they didn't work their exactly. rear ends off. Exactly. Right? They worked their tails off. And Bill, and Bill Gates is quoted as saying, look, uh, flipping burgers is not beneath you. Is not beneath you. Yeah. You know, you're learning something that if you have this genius, look, it doesn't make things easier. If you have this genius, it means that you feel even more of this incredible burden this, of responsibility. Yeah, this urgency yeah. to change things. That's what it means. Yes, and, and that's a fantastic burden that he wouldn't want uh, to give away, but it doesn't exonerate him from hard work. I've got a 16-year-old right now, and she's starting to talk, I want more money. Well, well okay, yeah. Easy. You live in fast food heaven over there in Gwinnett County. I mean, it's yeah, it's I mean it's waiting for you. Sure, I mean, wait tables the, yeah, or, or we're go taking, to the she, mall. She can go yeah. to the forum right over yeah. here, the outdoor shopping center that's got bed. Uh, what is it? Bath and Body Works, which yeah. she loves, and and then Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. It's got right? an it's Apple a, store. Or yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know, all these things. Kinds I of just go row by row by row, sure. right? Because there is something incredibly valuable about having to report to somebody other than your parents. Sure, and yeah. there is something about having that money and knowing this wasn't a gift from anybody that this was something that I earned through my own work and even though it's not like you're not out working in the field somewhere it's not like your sweat of your brow kind of thing there's still some sense of ownership and some sense of mastery that's one of the things that like Edward Hallowell talks about that's one of the childhood secrets of a happy adult and well-adjusted adults is a sense of mastery like I went out and I did it I learned how to do something and I did it well enough that somebody paid me money to do it. And when we are relieving our kids of that burden, we are actually preventing them from feeling that good. And that is something worth thinking about. Because we want to feel good 
Yeah. And that's really a lot of times why we keep our kids trapped in this cycle of dependency. Because it makes us feel good. It makes us feel powerful, makes us feel necessary, makes Less us feel lonely. Needed. And whatever. the reality is, as we get older, I mean, that's, that's what you've said, is mm. the, the reason we don't want our kids to grow up is because when our kids grow up, it means we're growing old. Right. And we worry that we're going to be obsolete. And yet, hey, Mick Jagger's still out there on the road. Right. Iggy Pop is still going strong. Paul yeah, McCartney, Paul Simon, all of these guys, man, they're rocking into their 70s. So right. you and I, we've got 30 years left. We're still good. This 30, baby? <laughs> Jeez. My mentor, God rest his soul, he died at 84. And he was, um, he died doing what he was called to do. Mm. And he was died on the job. He uh, broker, brokered peace talks between Palestinians and Jews and Christians in Egypt and caught a nasty virus and that complicated his cancer treatment and he died 84 on the road in Egypt. God has used many people well into their senior years just because we fear uh, diminished capacity. Right. That doesn't mean that uh, we necessarily have to fear being obsolete well, the problem is that if we are not actively pursuing our own projects of contributing to the world, if we mm-hmm. are not yeah. being the producers that we want our kids to be, if we are seeing that our most valuable and only really production is our kids themselves, then that means we're planning for our obsolescence. Yeah, it's true. We're building that in. Meaning, once our kids launch, then our job is done, so now we just sit around and wait for death to come. Like that's our main and only yeah. job. But it's not. It can't be. Your kids cannot become... My kids cannot be my primary project. And I know that every time I have gotten into that, like my son's athletics or academics or my daughter's academics or whatever, whenever I've done that, I'm going to make her... Mm. It makes everybody miserable. But when I've got my own project, writing a new book, pursuing some more stuff with work, when I'm doing that, but at the same time still being involved and interested with it, them. It doesn't even have to be this big global thing. It no. could really be puttering around in the garden because that's making this oh corner God. of the world a more beautiful place. I have a, I have some clients that live in New York City. They have, uh, they live in Manhattan, so they've got a small yard, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's yeah. tiny compared to you and I here in the South. But one of the best activities every day, and they, they didn't intend to start this, but it's weeding the garden. Yeah. Now here's the cool thing is now their kids go and weed the garden. Nice. It, their seven-year-old boy comes home from school and says, uh, I, I want to go do some weeding. Cool. Take the bucket, take the chair, and go out. You and know, make the world a more beautiful place, one little square they of green at, at it, a time. It, it makes them feel good yeah. about themselves. That's how you build self-esteem. And so you know, every time I get on this high horse, which it feels like I'm on right now, <laughs> I got to turn the mirror on me. Yeah. That's the only way I become tolerable is if I take this high horse, <laughs> right? And and yeah. realize it's it's fall a sh- off it on my own yeah, before exactly. somebody comes along and knocks me off. Because they will. It. Yeah. They will. And my kids will be first in line. Um but recognizing, you know what? Whenever I need my kids, I'm not giving them what they need most. Which is a parent that doesn't need them. What kids need most is a parent. Who doesn't need them. I don't need you to achieve. Do I want you to? Yes. I don't need you 
to make me feel loved or warm or appreciated or necessary. That's not your job. So for all of our curmudgeonly preaching and posturing and Jeez, railing man. that we have done over the course of the last 45 or 50 minutes, when we say you must chill, what we really mean is we, we must, must chill. chill. I must chill. I must chill. So thanks for listening this week to You Must Chill. My name is John Allen Turner. We'll see you next week.